0: Nobody's ever it almost heard. certainly we're looking at negative economic growth for Mexico. Nations
1: top healthcare officials are extremely concerned about the grave public health consequences of mass uncontrolled cross-border movement. They're taking some drastic measures. They are going to close the border to all non-essential travel.
2: Well, it was coming sooner or later, but now we know the U.S.-Mexico border will partially shut down starting midnight Friday. Trade routes will continue, but it could have major impacts to the local economy. It's been such a busy day here at 10 News, we're putting out two episodes today. Hello and welcome again to the 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Matt Boone, in for Ben Higgins. We've got a lot to discuss, including the new restrictions on travel across the U.S.-Mexico border... And later in the show, I've also got an interview looking into what Olympic athletes in California are dealing with now that pretty much all gyms and pools have been closed. Spoiler, many of them want the Olympics to be postponed. But first, let's get straight to the latest numbers. County health officials said as of Friday afternoon, there have been 131 confirmed cases in San Diego. That's up from 105 on Thursday. That includes the first case locally of someone between 10 and 9. 19 years old. So far, 27 people have needed hospitalization. Statewide, there are now 1,150 cases with 23 deaths. That's up from 675 cases yesterday. But today, local health officials admitted those numbers don't mean much. Doctors say the actual number of cases in the county is likely 10 times what we're seeing in the reported data so far. Doctors also stressed that if you have mild or no symptoms, but may have been in contact with someone who has the virus right now, you will likely not get a test. They say at this point, your best option is to just stay at home. And that's, of course, where we find all of ourselves across the state right now, Friday being the first full day of the new shelter in place directive. For more info on that, you can listen to our last podcast published earlier today. But the big question right now is how the partial closure of the U.S.-Mexico border will affect life and the economy for our two very interdependent regions. It's the busiest land border crossing in the hemisphere. On a given day, about 70,000 people travel up from Mexico into the United States. Joining me now is Team 10 investigative reporter Jennifer Kastner. She's been following this story the past few days. Hi, Jen.
1: Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me.
2: No problem. Can you describe kind of exactly what measures are being implemented at the southern border?
1: Yeah, well, these measures are pretty extreme. We had talked about the possibility of this yesterday, and then today, this morning, we found out during the federal administration's press conference that they are taking some drastic measures. They are going to close the border, the southern border, to all non-essential travel. What that means has yet to be very clearly defined, leaving a lot of people wondering, um, am I considered a an essential travel person? Um, do I have work that is considered essential that will let me into the U.S. to do whatever I need to do? There's a lot that has yet to be defined uh, by the government, by Customs and Border Protection um, to put people's minds at ease about this. The Uh, goal, the administration said, is to not affect trade. This border restriction is not supposed to affect trade and commerce. It is only supposed to be targeted at at, um, people who are going back and forth for recreational purposes um, or other non-essential reasons. Um, But Those people who do work on both sides of this border and cross daily or weekly, who have jobs that have not been defined yet as essential, uh, aren't quite sure yet how this is going to impact them. So there's a lot that we need to learn in the upcoming days. And this is to take effect um, by this Saturday. So this is happening very, very quickly.
2: Yeah, uh, that was going to be my next question about people who work. There's a lot of people who live in Tijuana and work in the United States, and vice versa. Um, th- will they have any guidance soon? Um, can people make that decision for themselves? Especially if you know a, a drastic drop off in income would you know mean you know personal financial disaster for them?
1: Sure. Yeah, we right. We have. Uh two economies right next to each other that are so dependent on one another. We've got tens or maybe hundreds of thousands of people who cross the border every day for work purposes. Our uh, our two cities, are, uh, San Diego and Tijuana, are so interconnected and interdependent, and there are people that uh, aren't sure yet if they will be allowed to cross for work Uh, and so there's so much that remains to be seen it would really be the federal administration telling customs and border protection and the port of San Ysidro for us here uh, what is and what is not allowed and Those sort of rules and regulations have yet to be clearly defined. Um, Hopefully for those people that are dependent upon this news, they will find out uh, over the weekend. And again, this closure is going to take effect uh, midnight tonight. So tomorrow, Saturday will be the first day that this is being implemented.
2: What kind of broader economic impacts do you think this is going to have?
1: This could have huge impacts for both the U.S. economy but more so for the Mexican economy. Um, We in the U.S. get a lot of goods from Baja California, a lot of produce especially, say lettuce. Um, So at this time, it's not believed that this will affect trade into the U.S. If things change, then yes, that could affect our economy here. But Mexico is really, Uh, under the microscope with this one because the Mexican economy is so dependent on what happens on the U.S. side. Um, Cutting off that border is going to cut off tourism and Mexico is so heavily dependent on tourism from the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, The economy in Mexico has already been struggling and this is going to flatline it and possibly put it in the negative. Uh, Today I spoke to a man who works uh, for Baja Border Tour so he takes visitors around uh, the Baja region to Ensenada, Rosarito, Tijuana, the Valle de Guadalupe, and he has no customers. He has to cease operations. And, of course, that affects his business, but it also affects all the small businesses in uh, Baja that were dependent upon his customers, the restaurants he would take them to, the um, the different uh, the stores for various local goods, all of those folks are going to be struggling now. So this could really devastate Mexico's economy.
2: All right. A lot to unpack there. Thanks so much for joining us, Jen. I appreciate it. Thank you. One of the ongoing topics since this outbreak began is how it could affect the Summer Olympic Games in Tokyo in July and August. This week, the International Olympic Committee came out again emphasizing there are no plans to cancel or postpone the Games and that athletes should keep training The problem with that is the stay-at-home order in California and New York has made it challenging for many athletes to do so, not to mention the cancellation of many competitions. Joining me now is David Marsh, head coach for Team Elite, a team of top swimmers from around the world that come here to San Diego to train for the Olympics. Welcome, David. Nice to see you. How are you? (laughs) Doing all right. Staying at home, uh, doing this podcast from my bedroom. First question, though, with this new directive, how are you guys planning to keep training?
0: Well, it's a it's an interesting thing. Uh, you know, the 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 typical swimmer. You know, swimmers are very unique from other things. Where you can't just go outside and run or run in a field and do your thing. You you really need to have a pool. And and in our situation, we've sort of uh, followed sort of one less opportunity almost daily right now. So from the in this last week, you know, the pools that we have used have sort of systematically shut down. And as, as they probably needed to, because they were part of bigger, you know, bigger uh, affiliated buildings, you know, the community center in Coronado, the, the Jewish community center in La Jolla. And so what we've had to do is just sort of adjust and modify each time. And uh, now we're in a position where uh, literally I was, you know, the, the guys are bringing some of their stretch cords and resistance materials so they can do some of their swimming at the uh, pool in their apartment building to to keep swimming up. Because the deal is this. As long as the the IOC is saying the Olympics are on and the time they're on, these athletes who sacrificed, you know, three years of their lives in most cases, you know, because Olympics are every four years. And they've sacrificed three years of life so far to pursue their Olympic ambitions. And the athletes here training in San Diego are all either already qualified for the Olympic Games or they're very legitimate candidates for the USA team and for a couple of other international teams, so they're all. It's not like they're, there's a Olympic dream or even an Olympic hope. No, these guys are like Olympic. Have Olympic expectations. Their countries even have expectations on them as to how they're going to represent. Uh, so at the end of the day, you know, as you, as you might suppose, I'm not pleased that the uh, the IOC has uh, taken what I consider as a, as a pretty. Uh, at this point, irresponsible position, in my opinion, to say that everything's the same as it, as it is and carry on, carry on, athletes training because there's no athletes in the world probably able to carry on as usual right now. Nor should they be carrying on as usual. But at the end of the day, if you say there's an Olympics, they're gonna figure out how to train and they're gonna train uh, because that's what they're that's sort of their DNA. That's how they're made up. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on right now, Matt.
2: What do you think the IOC should be saying? Are you looking for like a postponement or something like that?
0: Absolutely, no. I think it, perfect world to me would be postpone it for one calendar year, just announce it right away. Going to figure it out. There's a lot of complication with that. Of course, there's billions of dollars, which I think is, in my personal opinion, a lot of what's behind it right now. And uh, and I think uh, uh, the the athletes are, if if they really were looking out for the athletes. Primarily, they would say that and say we'll figure out another plan. But I think because of the, the whole structure of the way we build Olympic villages now, for example, the this the housing where the athletes would be staying is future apartment buildings. So come September, there's a lot of people in Tokyo that probably already bought those apartments or condominiums and are planning to move in. That's what happened in Rio. As soon as we left Rio, the the uh, dorms that we were staying in for the for the games. Became uh, some of the nicer apartments in all of Rio, so that's typical for how we're, we're, they're doing villages nowadays. And and of course, logistics of facilities and hotels and just the city's preparation is is difficult. Uh, but you know, we, the world, you know, arguably, like the total world, arguably hasn't been in this kind of situation. Not in my lifetime, and uh, I'm sure in many people's lifetimes, it's been the case.
2: Well, there's only one. Other parallel that comes to my mind, and I know this hits um, you pretty close to home, is back in 1980. Um, you were training back then, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, 1980. Yeah, the boycott year.
2: So, what happened to you? You were, you were. Hoping to go to the Olympics, and then yeah,
0: interesting timing because we, you know, what happened was we were training, you know, full bore up to the 1980 Olympics. And my teammates, I was at Auburn University at the time, my teammates at Auburn included Rowdy Gaines, who was the best swimmer in the world at the time, Dave McCagg, who was a world champion the year before, Billy you had already won a medal in the previous Olympics. We had guys that were going to compete for the Olympic teams. I was sort of next tier. I was uh, uh, ended up being sixth in the world that year, so I was a you know pretty high rank for as it turned out during 1980. But be uh, what 10. happened was <laughs> was in March when there the started being rumors that Carter might choose to boycott the Olympics as a as a, as a punishment or a a threat to Russia to get out of Afghanistan, you know. We were uh, we, we weren't really given a voice at that time and, and athletes at that those day on those days weren't given a voice. they were they were just people who did what the the Federation said you can do. Fortunately, that's somewhat changed now, but in 1980 when Jimmy Carter did end up boycotting, it was about March about right now. and uh, and a lot of us uh, you know at that point, Made adjustments to what we were doing. Now we all still swam to the Olympic trials later that summer. The sort of a mock Olympic trials, and uh, and those of us that finished in the top six in our events ended up getting to do a sort of a, a nice trip to Hawaii for two weeks. And I, I was fortunate enough to make that trip, but I didn't officially make the Olympic team because had to be top three at that time. And uh, and uh, so I think the the the, the challenges that, that that the similarities are in that. The athletes train a long time, and then outside things cause this to happen the 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 difference is this this really is, this has been taken out of our a decision mode for us I mean this is a health issue this is life and death for many, many people that this this issue is taken seriously, whereas uh, I guess other than, than the the uh the people who are actually on the ground fighting. Between the Russians and Afghanistan, Afghans, uh, it wasn't a global uh, health issue. It was a, it was a more of a uh, effort to uh, to bring to bring change by using uh, sports as a, uh, as a as a you know a tool to do that. And obviously that you know at least that failed miserably because they nothing happened in, between Russia and Afghanistan because of that. And so it, it, that carried on. Uh, but I hope that uh, it's not the same outcome here. I hope we're, we're able to uh, be wise. I hope the IOC sort of, sort of to me wakes up. I know as of today, I was just on a call with USA Swimming a few minutes ago. Actually, on three different phone calls with them, with the the, the leadership of USA Swimming. And we're going to come out. Uh, Jacob Pebley actually did a very intelligent uh, Instagram post yesterday pleading for us to... Uh, call for a one-year postponement of the Games. His wife is a uh, medical school student at uh, UC San Diego and so he has a little bit more background than others have on you know what's, what's going on with this pandemic and, uh, and then today on this phone call with USA Swimming uh, we are now putting together a letter to push out to the media to say basically USA Swimming is, as, uh, is suggesting we postpone the Olympic Games for at least one year.
2: Right. Just because of all the constantly changing things in California and New York, the states that have put these full um, stay-at-home bands. Um, So you mentioned at the top that some of your athletes are kind of taking their training into their own hands, doing what they can using their uh, apartment pools, bands, whatever. Is your contact right now just totally limited to phone calls and
0: digital oh, no, communication no, I, i'll be i'll be going places working with them okay. know, I, I mean the reality is you know uh, assuming i don't get arrested i'm you know i when you're in this mode of there isn't a games and i've been their coach and they're relying on my uh my my, my coaching uh you know i'm going to do all i can to help them you know within us you know within a safe confines but I mean, i'm obviously not going to run around everywhere and put myself in, in jeopardy but at the same time, so I feel like the environment's safe, then I'll make good judgments and and uh, try to help them in every way I can. The uh, other thing is, we're you know, the, and this wasn't just the problem. The problem wasn't just since the stay-at-home uh, was called on by Governor Newsom, but this, this was well before this. As soon as this stuff started happening, facilities started closing down immediately. So we were already in the mode of looking for places to train looking for chances to get uh, enough water time uh at the end of the day as, as this has come to, to to light we're actually you know a lot of the athletes have ordered wetsuits now so some of the swimming will likely happen out in mission bay or over in la jolla shores and that's sort of what we're looking at now is, is figuring out okay we can do some of the longer aerobic conditioning in the ocean and then they can do some of the shorter power stuff in makeshift uh you know uh garage gyms and at uh, whatever little piece of pool they can find in apartment complexes or otherwise that might not be, you know, fully locked down and closed. So they're in uh, and, and, and the way we we're sort of basing this on what other programs are doing like Cal Berkeley is still letting their Olympians and their Olympic trial finalists uh, use the uh, use their the facility to some degree. Under the auspices of sort of recreation, and uh, and the the athletes are going in separate. They're getting in different lanes and different places in the pool, and they're doing workouts that are pre-assigned. So, you know, one of the things I'm not sure the the uh, that people understand, white like we would here in San Diego, is that you know when you're in a culture like this, you know, people use swimming as a lifestyle. I mean, I, I definitely know lots of people in San Diego that. That they really need to swim for their mental health. I mean, it's something that's just a routine and a rhythm of life that they use. And so, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people, you know, utilizing the ocean. And now there'll be more people, you know, utilizing the ocean. And and uh, I, I don't think that's necessarily great because if they're not used to that, and and uh, if they're not swimming with uh, with buoyancy, that could be dangerous as well. And and certainly, it's colder than. They're used to in, in the pools, but <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, in it's our like case, what sixty
2: to, degrees to, I mean, out there right it, now, or colder?
0: Yes, it's very cold. But I mean, wetsuits are okay. It, it, it's, uh, I mean, I've been surfing last week, and it's it's cold. But if you have a wetsuit on, it's tolerable.
2: So let's just assume the Olympics aren't canceled, aren't postponed. You got to keep pushing through this. How do you envision um, these drastic? changes to your training plan uh, wow. having an effect on the competition itself come, you know, Tokyo
0: Yeah, just you saying it, it, it pushing on, my, I just my, my, my gut's tightening up I mean, I just, I can't believe they won't figure this out and I delay the games I mean, I I can't believe they put this many people at risk uh, and again, it's, and it's and I, I'm not sure how this sounds on this podcast but the reality is, is that you know, high-level athletes who have been training for the Olympic Games are going to train for the Olympic Games as long as you tell them there's Olympic Games coming this July and August, and there'll be Olympic trials in June. The hardest thing to do in the world is to make the USA Olympic team. They take two of the top Americans on that given day to make the team. That's our tradition of how we select our team. And uh, what could change? Yeah, if they kept the Olympic Games, uh, somehow try to pull it off, There'd be a massive advantage for countries uh, honestly like China that has uh, that now has is fully back in training there's there's groups you see it all over Instagram Australia fully in training there's going to be so it's going to be it's not, not going to be a level playing field and perhaps the worst thing is is that with the uh, the, the, the coronavirus you know uh, all around the world drug testing hasn't occurred so those who would have a, uh, a thought to cheat, might feel like they can get away with more than they did before uh so it it, it uh, could turn out to be a very unfair games if they tried to to have it in the window of time that's schedule right now
2: yeah very different world we're looking at well thanks for joining us david i appreciate your time and best of luck to you and your team
0: my pleasure thank you we'll uh, you'll probably see us out in the ocean some so if you drive by one-on-one uh give us a wave
2: All right, I got my wetsuit. Maybe I'll come out and join you.
0: (laughs) Come on out and swim with us. Yeah, sounds good.
2: All right, thank you. And that's it for this edition of the 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I hope you found this informative. For the constant updates, our team is working around the clock to provide the latest. Just visit our website, 10news.com.